0: It's time that we find time to step back and reflect how are we understanding the times. And what Scripture does, it lands us in one very clear place, and that is Jesus Christ is the full revelation of God, and He created the world, and He redeemed the world.
1: Welcome to First Person. I'm Wayne Shepard, and my guest today is John Stonestreet of the Breakpoint Radio Commentary. I'll introduce today's guest to you in just a moment, but first, let me remind you that you can listen to any First Person interview online at firstpersoninterview.com. Our website has many features, including the archive of all past programs and a schedule of what's coming up in the weeks ahead. For instance, Mark Hamby of Lamplighter Theater will be with us next week the complete schedule online at firstpersoninterview.com. And in addition to our webpage, our Facebook page is also helpful, where you can learn more and leave comments. We're found on Facebook at facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. Our guest today, John Stone Street, is with Summit Ministries and also a speaker and fellow at the Chuck Colson Center for Christian Worldview. In that role, you often hear John as the commentator on Breakpoint, a program started by Chuck Colson.
0: I talked with John recently because I wanted to learn about his life and ministry. Really, for the last year since Chuck Colson passed away, it's actually been just about a year uh, as of you know this recording here. Um, I've been uh, co-hosting with Eric Metaxas the show that Chuck Colson founded, which was a four-minute Christian worldview broadcast talking about the issues of the day through a Christian lens uh, called Breakpoint. And uh, prior to, uh, to to working with Eric on that, I also inherited a one-minute radio uh, spot from, from the Colson Center called The point and, uh, you know, saying things in four and a half minutes or one minute is uh, you know, against my giftedness, I guess you could say. <laughs> but uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a good self-discipline uh, to, to learn how to, to do that. And, and really, it's because that's the way conversations happen, right? I mean, we have conversations and sound bites. It's rare that we get long, extended conversations to get into things that are uh, as deep as we want to. And so really the goal of uh, the radio products that we put out at the Colson Center is to help people think about very important things in the right way. Of course, we all miss Chuck very much.
1: Um, That goes without saying, but did you ever see yourself in that role of hosting
0: Breakpoint? You know, Wayne, it's funny because growing up in uh, Northern Virginia, uh, we had about a 20-minute drive, 25-minute drive to the Christian school that I attended from kindergarten all the way through 12th grade. And uh, my mom taught there. My uh, older siblings all went there, and we knew that it was time to have been ready and head to the car when breakpoint was over, like that was the <laughs> that was what we knew when breakpoint was over, we'd better be in the car that was your marker so, I mean, in life. I grew up with, that was it i mean I, I can remember that vividly and and it's it's it, that's just so funny because no, I never ever considered that um my my faith journey to even thinking in a world viewish sort of way, if I can make up a word here um the way, of course you know Chuck championed over the last uh, couple decades of his life. Um, you know th- that that was a journey for me. It, it didn't it didn't start out that way, and so I didn't always get breakpoint. I just knew when it was over, it was time to go there. But you know that that first time I met Chuck was, um, uh, you know, three or four years ago, I suppose. No, I guess it's been longer than that, six or seven years ago. I was asked while I was still working with Summit Ministries. Um, Which is a worldview ministry designed to train high school and college students to understand a Christian worldview, and I was invited to speak for an event that that Chuck puts on every year—a training program called the Centurions. And this is an opportunity for a hundred or so adults to go through a worldview training program that Chuck Colson put together. It's still running; it's a phenomenal program. I love being involved with it, but that was the first uh, really involvement that I had, and I remember. Going to speak, and there I I suspected Chuck might show up the weekend. I didn't think he'd actually be there the whole weekend, but there he was. He was in the back of the room, and I was introduced to speak on worldview with Chuck Colson in the back of the room. Oh boy! And I, you know, I just, yeah, I just really hope people could hear me, you know, over the noise of my knees knocking so loudly. (laughs) You know, I mean, this guy is just uh, unbelievable. Uh, But he was, he was uh, just a larger than life figure who was very, very human and in in all the redeem sorts of ways. So I never imagined it, but it, what, it, what an incredible honor to get to work with him and, and get to know him.
1: Yeah, indeed. I got to interview Chuck on, on a number of occasions through the years and host some programs with him and uh, loved him very much. But now I, I want to talk more about Breakpoint later, and I want to talk about Summit Ministries as well, because I know that's a very key to what you're doing mm-hmm. and the Colson Center, your involvement
0: there. But I want to hear your story today, John. I, I already have picked up that you must have grown up in a Christian home. I did. Both of my parents are strong believers, um, and uh, you know I come from a just a, a, a great heritage. Um, my, my dad's uh, parents were, were believers. Uh, my uh, mom's uh, parents uh, are believers, uh, and they've been married. You know, so I've got this great tradition of marriage as well, stability. Uh, grew up in Northern Virginia, just kind of actually geographic Northern Virginia, not not the D.C. suburbs, but actually, you know, the hump of Virginia is where I grew up. And um, grew up in a Christian home, went to uh, the same building where there was a, 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 a independent Baptist church and a, a Christian school all in the same um you know, building, and so what that meant was my basketball coach was also my youth pastor, and the principal was also the Bible teacher, and you know, you know, my uh, third grade teacher was also my third grade Sunday school teacher, and you know, you know, it's just yep. one of those places yep. where you have these folks who just faithfully dedicate their lives. Uh, to, to to church and to an institution. And so grew up there and uh, really um, you know learned about God there. It wasn't a very real thing to me, though. It was one of those kind of you grow up in it, you're at a Christian school, um, and so it just becomes numb. It just becomes um, uh, tedious, and it's just what you do. It's just the place you are. Well, let me pursue um, that with you, John.
1: Did it ever reach a crisis point, or was it sort of a— a, a long, slow transformation for you to faith?
0: Well, you know, it, it, it was yes and no. I mean, you know, it's one of those things I've never known a time where I didn't know who Jesus was, but in terms of, you know, submitting my life to him, recognizing who he was, that did not happen until I was a senior in high school. And um, it, it was almost like, I, you know, th- there was this rhythm, these spiritual rhythms that 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 were a part of my life where you'd go to church and there'd be a speaker and there would be an altar call. And if, well, God didn't speak to you at the end of that altar call, well, then you were free for another week. And I made it for 18 years, you know, 17 years without God, you know, convicting me. And it wasn't that he didn't. It was just this kind of understanding of Christianity uh, that, um, that, that didn't have a whole lot to do with developing the mind, but it had a lot to do with passion and witnessing and fervor. And so it had great things about it. Uh, but the idea, really what changed it for me was when my mind got engaged as well, when I was really able to see that this Christianity thing made sense. And that that started my senior year in high school, and then uh, really in college is where that really took took root. Well, what lit the fire? What, were there some people, some teachers, some mentors, or yeah.
1: did uh, the Spirit just start to touch you on the head, John?
0: And I think the answer is all of the above. You know, e all of the above. I, I, you know, I there's no evidence of it today. But I was an athlete at one point, and um, I uh, I played basketball actually. Which is there's even less evidence that that could possibly be true. (laughs) Uh, But but I but I did, and so I, I made my college choice my freshman year to play basketball, and went off about an hour away to a very small little little school that would let me play and. Uh, The motto of the college was "thy word is truth." It was a a college in the Mennonite heritage and was very, very liberal. We we were taught in the very first New Testament class that I had that the miracles in the Gospels had been fabricated to embellish the Jesus stories, and Mm. and, uh, very much a you know in in terms of um, on the left side of the political spectrum and issues like abortion and you know homosexuality and things like that, very progressive. And this was the first real time that I had been challenged with views that weren't my own. And, you know, it was interesting because I knew the Bible was true. I believed it, but I had no reason why. Um, After that year, I ended up transferring to a a college down in Tennessee where they had just started this worldview focus. Uh, The president was a guy named... Uh, Bill Brown uh, and the, the head of the Bible department, Gary Phillips, they had written a book published by Moody, actually. Yeah. At the time, making sense of your world, and that was my uh, that was my introduction to this idea of, of worldview thought. But more than that, it was my introduction to the fact. To the reality of what Jesus says: love God with your mind, not just you know, with with, with your passion and your motivation and your actions, but also think clearly and uh, think clearly about Him and about the world. And this was brand new: the idea that, that that Jesus Christ claims sovereignty over everything, that this world is His, that all truth is God's truth. These were things that were just revolutionary, and and that these things could be defended. You know that that there was there was reasons you know to believe that the resurrection happened. There was reasons that you could actually say that the gospels were reliable. So these things, were, it was just this journey. And from from there on, I just you know I would wanted to be a basketball coach. Now I wanted to go to seminary. You know things just started to change pretty fast. And it was really you know I owe it a lot you know to those initial mentors, mm-hmm. uh, Bill Brown and Gary Phillips. They and that were, was at Bryan here. College in Tennessee. That's Did right. Did you go on to seminary then? I did. You know, it was interesting. I left Brian and then uh, went went overseas for a year uh, to to Jamaica, over the Caribbean Sea anyway, and uh, came back and worked at Brian and started seminary uh, at about the same time. So I started at Reformed Theological Seminary, ended up and finished the degree at, at Trinity. Uh, again, more influencers. God was so kind to bring people in my life that really influenced me. I mean, from the very beginning, from my parents to my high school basketball coach, and now as this transition happened to really who God has made me to be, to think and to speak and to write and to teach, Um, you know, Gary Phillips, Bill Brown, then John Woodbridge at Trinity, uh, you know, uh, know, Don Carson, uh, Graham Cole. I mean, just just some individuals that were just really stunning for me. Hmm. But but i tell you what happened was is is I really started to become interested in the intersection between faith and culture, Uh, real faith in the real world. Um, you know, what, what, what does Christianity have to say about, uh, incidents, events, structures, institutions of, of today? Um, uh, and along those lines at Bryan, I, I actually went back and started to work there. Uh, I led a, a ministry that traveled around the country to youth groups and Christian schools, teaching worldview through the lens of pop culture. And along the lines, then I got involved with Summit Ministries, which was very much designed to teach worldview to students and, um, and then it's just been, you know, kind of this dizzying journey ever since where these these really neat opportunities have come my way to teach and to speak and, and uh to continue to think about this. And somebody's actually, you know, giving me enough money to, to make a living as I do it. So it's just been it's just been great. More about a biblical worldview with John Stone Street, the commentator on Breakpoint,
1: coming up today on first person. Next week, you'll hear the unique testimony of Mark Hamby of Lamplighter Theater. Show me a man diligent in his work, he'll stand before kings. And I think you've got to give people a vision. you got to let them touch and taste and see that the Lord is good. And when they do, they want it. They don't ever want to go back. How Mark first came to the Lord and how he, who once hated to read, now introduces us to great Christian literature. Mark Hamby of Lamplighter Theater, next time on First Person. My guest on First Person today is John Stone Street. You hear John on Breakpoint along with Eric Metaxas. And John, that we had not met until a few months ago when we had a brief. Uh get-together. And uh, I knew immediately you were somebody I wanted to have on first person because I I like to meet people behind the mic on some of these radio programs that we listen Hmm. to. And and I also admire your commitment to teaching a biblical worldview. And we throw that term around a lot, and I want to talk about that. But
0: uh, tell me now again, you are involved with the Colson Center and with Summit Ministries? That's right. Yeah. I mean, it made sense at the time to have two bosses. We'll see how it goes. But (laughs) Um, Now, I I, uh, am a speaker and fellow for the Chuck Colson Center for Christian Worldview, which involves, of course, hosting the the show Breakpoint uh, with Eric Metaxas, also uh, a couple other radio shows, The Point, uh, a weekend show called Breakpoint this week, and then also just doing a lot of travel and speaking and teaching uh, and then I also work with a, a, an organization here in Colorado Springs where I now live, uh, Summit Ministries, and I've worked with them for 10 years or so. And Summit trains high school and college students to understand and defend a biblical worldview, really a kind of a boot camp yeah. in, in terms of Christian thinking before college. Yeah, no one, and before well, uh, David of, Noble's founded Summit Ministries, right? Th- that's right. Yeah, David, David Noble. He fi- finally retired two years ago after 50 years, you know, another just example of faithfulness. Uh, you know, we, we talked in the last segment there about the, the the great men that God has blessed me with. I mean, you know, David Noble's one of them. Chuck Colson's another. Um, you know, the, these guys that are just stalwarts of, uh, of the last generation. Yeah, we stand on their shoulders, don't we? You know, I,
1: I, I love hearing your story, but I really want to hear your heart, um, what God has called you uniquely to do in life. And it, it all revolves around this matter of a biblical worldview. First of all, let's define terms. What do we mean by that?
0: well you know, when we mean biblical worldview we, we mean a worldview that corresponds with the Bible which means we got to start and define worldview right and, and and a worldview simply is just something that every human has it's the lens the framework the perspective through which we understand life in the world I, I don't know you know wayne if, if you've ever you know talked to someone uh, on an airplane or maybe the crazy aunt across the Thanksgiving table or something and <laughs> you know you're in the middle of the conversation and, and you're using words like truth and, and and so is she but you realize pretty quickly you're you're using the same uh, you know vocabulary, but not the same dictionary. You you don't mean the same things, um, especially when it comes to maybe things like God or grace or or, or, or marriage or sexuality. You, you know, and the reason is is because we all have these this ideological set of lenses. The trouble with a worldview is that we rarely look at them. It's like a pair of glasses or contact lenses. We don't look at them. We always look through them. And uh, a lot of times we can get our worldview, our framework for understanding truth and reality from just our culture. We live and we move and we relate to others and so on. And and so we start to think, uh, you know, like the environment around us. Uh, but, but Scripture talks about renewing our minds. Scripture talks about loving God, you know, w- w- with the way that we, we think. And, and worldview is not just mental concepts. It's also kind of our posture and our passions and our desires. All of these things shape shape this framework that we have called worldview. And so what we want to do is we want to see the world as God sees it. I mean that's really what we mean when we say biblical worldview. It's not that there's a biblical verse for every, you know, tax code or a biblical verse for whether we should go to war with Iran or a biblical verse, you know, for whether we should buy a Honda or Toyota. Um, no, it's just that there is there, there's a set of categories, a set of mental and ideological and intellectual and, 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 and categories that should guide the way that we understand the world, interpret the events in the world, and then make decisions.
1: Yeah, it provides a framework. Now, uh, the problem is, as I see it, is Bible literacy. I mean, many of us don't know our Bible well enough to even build that, that, that framework to have this reference point.
0: Well, that's, that, there's no doubt about it, Wayne, and, and you've, you've hit something that's that's just extremely important. One of my jobs, by the way, at the Colson Center is to collaborate and to work with other organizations, and I've been very encouraged with um, so, some resources that are coming out both fr- from church and parachurch groups along these lines, but, but you're right. I mean, even growing up, you know, as I did in, in the environment that I described in the last segment, I knew a lot of Bible verses, uh, but I didn't know how the Bible— described reality. And, and let me say that again, that the Bible begins in the beginning. You know, It describes the world that we live in and what went wrong with it and what God is doing to, ref, to fix it. In the last generation, we've put a lot of attention on memorizing verses, which means we break up these Bible chapters or books into little verses, and then we string them together outside of the story. And the story itself— the big story, which is what the Scripture gives us, not just a story, but the big story of the world has really been lost. And so it is stunning that we have more Bibles at our fingertips. I mean, even in our phones, right, than any generation that's ever lived. But when it comes to flat-out biblical literacy, we're not always uh, able to put those pieces together. Hmm. And so um, the, the, you're right, that, that's a huge thing, not just knowing the Bible, but knowing through the Bible. There are, there are books you're supposed to look at, but the scripture is the book you're supposed to look through, right? And the fact of the matter is either we're going to look at the world through the lens of the scripture or we're going to pick up the scripture and look at it through the lens of our culture, whatever worldview we've kind of inherited. So one of the words we use around the Colson Center and Summit a lot is this idea of intentionality. It's, it's time that we find time to, to 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 step back and reflect what are we Seeing the world through, how how are we understanding uh, the the times? And, and what Scripture does, Wayne, is it lands us in very one very clear place, and that is Jesus Christ is the full revelation of God, and He created the world and He redeemed the world. Uh, Chuck Colson used to quote Abraham Kuyper, a Dutch theologian and statesman of the last generation. Um, and Chuck would quote him over and over and over again, uh, where he said, there's not a single square inch in the whole domain of human existence where Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all, does not put his foot and claim mine. Mm. And, and and when you realize that, then you realize, well, wait a minute, as a believer, as someone who has encountered this grace of Jesus Christ, now what's my job to go into every, every square inch, every domain of human existence and say that's his and ask that question what would it look like if this were his what would it look like if I really believe this what would it look like if I live this way what what would it look like if my family was his my business was his the way I voted was was his the way I you know structured my community the way I built built streets and neighborhoods I mean it's just this rabbit hole goes really really deep and uh, you start realizing that it makes a lot of sense in terms of what it means to be a Christian in a world that doesn't recognize him
1: when Jesus made that statement that all authority has been given to me,
0: uh, he didn't categorize it. He didn't limit it in any way. All means all. It, it does. And, and, you know, it's, it's interesting because you, you just touched on something that's very, very important, I think, which is the first verse of the Great Commission. We, we often start the Great Commission at verse you know, 19, but yes. the red letters start in verse 18. <laughs> the Great Commission, therefore, go and make disciples. We all know that part. But a disciple is someone who follows someone who's an authority. And Jesus says, therefore, and of course, we know whenever there's a therefore, find out what it's there for, right? What hap- What just happened? G- Jesus says, go and make disciples right after, without breaking a, you know, without stopping to breathe almost after he says, all authority has been given to me. Mm. And so really, it, it, it's the task of the Christian to teach people to, uh, to, to to ourselves do it, and then also help others obey Christ in every area in which he has authority, which is every area. John,
1: are you uh, in this for the long run? Is this what God has called you to do and you're going to stay to the task?
0: <laughs> well, I tell you, um, by, uh, I mean, who can answer that by God's grace? I, I've been reading a lot of Bonhoeffer uh, lately. M- you know, mainly it's, I'll blame it on Eric Metaxas. <laughs> yeah, we all do, right? <laughs> I just, yeah, so now I've just really jumped into, you know, life together and uh, ethics and uh, especially his letters and papers from prison. And and, and I came across this unbelievable um, article or letter he wrote to his former seminarian friends called Who Stands Fast? And it's worth Googling and seeing it's, it's, uh, because he, what he lands on is reason's not enough, virtue's not enough, uh, principle duty is not enough, freedom is not enough, the only thing... That makes someone stand fast, especially in difficult times, is allegiance to God. Um, and uh, so I've been really challenged by that um, because uh, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of God's grace. I, I love him because he loved me first, and he's way better at it than I am. And so I, 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 I ask that he, he helps me do that. I've got a, a beautiful wife and, and three gorgeous little girls, and I'm, I'm more interested in being faithful, not for any sort of success. Um, as much as just I, I just want to be a good dad. You know, I want to be a good, a good husband. I, I want them to uh, love Jesus, and um, and, and and you know when Chuck Chuck was very um prophetic when he realized that we were quickly moving in the West, in particular in America, to a, a culture where Christians are going to have brand new challenges. We're going to need a level of courage. Uh, that we haven't needed in generations past, and so when you ask me that question, I, I, uh, I, I say, you know, there. But for the grace of God, go I. Right. I mean, that's that's what we have. We have God's grace, God's kindness uh, to us. That's our guest, John Stone Street of Summit
1: Ministries, as well as the Chuck Colson Center for Christian Worldview, and of course, Breakpoint. If you'd like additional information about John and either of these organizations, you'll find links at our website, FirstPersonInterview.com. Not only that, but you can listen to this or any other First Person Interview from start to finish. And you'll see the schedule of who we'll be talking to in the weeks ahead. Please visit FirstPersonInterview.com. And if you'd like to leave a comment or suggestion, use our Facebook page, Facebook.com FirstPersonInterview. Next week, you'll meet the man behind the radio series, Lamplighter Theater, Mark Hamby. Mark has an unusual story about coming to faith in Christ and now loves to share not only the word of God, but great Christian literature as well. Mark Hamby, our guest next week here on First Person. Now with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd, hoping you'll join us next week at the same time for First Person.